You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. You know, my, my Uncle John, my dad's brother, is legally blind. He's not totally blind, but he is legally blind. There's a lot, he struggles to see things up close. Um, he struggles to see the TV. He sits really close to the TV. Um, and one time we're having lunch at Chili's in Dallas, and the waitress is filling up all of our waters, filling up mine, filling up my dad's, filling up my mom's, my sister's, and my grandmother's. And she goes to fill up Uncle John's water. And right as she is filling up Uncle John's water, about that first drop is about to drop. He grabs his cup and takes a drink. And the waitress is like, ah, what are you doing? Like, like she just couldn't help but yell. And my dad's like, he's blind. I'm sorry, he had, he had no idea. And he was just like, oh, sorry. And I just, just put, his, put his cup back. Now, you need to know that story because of what I'm about to tell you. My dad tells a story that as they're driving down the road, Uncle John really wanted Whataburger. Like a good Texan, he wanted Whataburger really bad. And my dad just kept telling him, John, we're pressed for time. We don't have time to stop. We just got to keep driving. And there's really not any Whataburgers nearby. And then all of a sudden, on the horizon, there's that glorious W in the sky. (laughs) That little Whataburger sign, you could barely make it out. It's like 10-point font in the distance. And Uncle John says, there's one. My dad says, he whipped around, can you see? (laughs) Like, are you blind for real? I mean, like, what is happening? How did you see that? No idea other than maybe a miracle of the Lord that he sees this Whataburger sign in the distance and he knew something about his future. There is a burger in my future. (laughs) You know, there are a lot of times in all of our lives where we are unsure, we are wondering, we are doubting, and we want signs. We want help. We want encouragement. And, and Moses does too. And God helps him. God gives him signs. And they're signs that he should believe and then behave accordingly. Believe and then behave accordingly. So look at verse 1. As we saw, Moses is worried. They're not going to believe. Verse 1. What if they don't believe me and will not obey me? So do you see the connection? Moses knows belief then behavior. Moses knows you cannot just coerce people to do things. If they don't believe me, they won't walk out. If they don't believe him, they won't obey him. Listen, this is an insight into the circuitry of your heart and into the wiring of your mind. Belief precedes obedience. None of us in this room can obey God unless you believe rightly about God. You won't do what God says in his word unless you believe what he says in the gospel word. If you don't believe you are forgiven by the cross, and if you don't believe you are forgiven by the empty grave, then you won't live like it. And if you, but if you do believe that the spirit is empowering you for holiness and new life, then you will respond to it. What you believe empowers the way you behave, the way you love, the way you serve, the way you respond, everything. So what do you believe today? There is no more central question to your life than what do you believe? Moses knows this. They won't, if they don't believe me, they won't obey me. It's not going to happen. And he tells Moses, okay, fine. I've got three signs for you. Let's roll with the first one. Verse two, the Lord asked him, what's in your hand? A staff, he replied. Why does he have a staff? 
He has a staff, not because every Old Testament old guy has a staff. This is what we think. Every Old Testament picture we see, why these guys all have sticks? Because a lot of them are shepherds. Moses is shepherding before this scenario. So he's got a staff in his hand. And God's like, what are you holding? A staff, throw it on the ground. Okay, what happens? So verse three, Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. It turns into a real snake, not one of those wooden snakes that just kind of wobbles back and forth. This wasn't like a trick, like, oh, cool, it's a wooden snake. No, this is a real snake, probably a cobra. Moses runs from it because he's normal. <laughs> this is when most of us are, I wish I, I could be more like Moses. You are if you run from snakes. Moses runs away. And if, if you're familiar with the book of Exodus or you've been here throughout the series, snakes are a big deal in the Bible. They're a reminder of Satan, the serpent in the garden, the workings of Pharaoh in Exodus 1. And if you've ever seen the mummy or you've ever been to any ancient Egypt archaeological exhibits, what does Egypt and what do pharaohs have on their heads? Snakes, cobras. It's a sign of power. It'd be equivalent to me saying, hey, Skeet, why don't you go ahead and throw your phone on the ground? He throws it on the ground. And what, it turns into a bald eagle. Like, symbol of power for America and authority and just Americana. That's what the snake is to Egypt. It's a symbol of power and, and of the Egyptian culture and everything. And now, you know what God says? He says, Moses, I want you to do something crazy for me. Verse four, the Lord told Moses, stretch out your hand. This is a wordplay here because earlier God says, when I stretch out my hand, you will be set free. Now he tells Moses, you stretch out your hand and do what? And grab the snake by the tail. Look, I've watched enough YouTube clips to know you don't grab snakes by the tail. This is begging to get bitten. This is begging to end up in the hospital. This is crazy. And that's the point. God is asking him to do something foolish and crazy with this snake. Because ultimately, God is asking him to do something crazy in Moses' own eyes and in Egypt's own eyes, and in Pharaoh, and in Israel's own eyes. Demand that my people be set free. You're going, this is what God's teaching him, you are going to grab Egypt by the tail. You're going to grab all of its power, all of its force by the tail. And it may seem like you are going to get bit. And it may seem like you are going to lose, but you will defeat the serpent. So listen, beloved. There are so many areas in your life that cause you to sit back and think, God, you really want me to do that? This is crazy. That's the point. That's where faith comes in. You want me to really invite my Muslim coworker over for dinner and tell them about Jesus? Or maybe just befriend them? Yeah, do the crazy thing in the world's eyes. You want me to confess my sin to my spouse and to God? Do the crazy thing in the world's eyes, knowing sins can be forgiven. Maybe I shouldn't take that promotion because I'll be away from my family more. I'll be away from my Christian friends more, but I will make more money. I shouldn't take it. Yeah, grab that snake by the tail. Be last, wash feet, go to the nation. See, all of this, trust the foolish thing in the world. 
that confounds the wise. Trust and uncorpse Christ for your life. Grab the snake by the tail. Do what is foolish so you can live wisely. And Moses does. Look, Moses grabs the snake by the tail. And what happens? So he stretched out his hand and caught it. And it became a staff in his hand again. And look what happens. Verse five, God speaks. This will take place, he continued, so that they will believe. That they will believe that the Lord sent you. All for the purpose of belief. This is what God is ultimately after for everyone in this room. Look, and I know that a lot of us came here today, maybe for different reasons. People go to church for all kinds of different reasons. People think God is after all kinds of different things. Listen right here. God, a lot of people think God just wants you to have bible behavior. Just, just do what the Bible says and you're gonna be fine. Just adopt some bible attributes into your life. That's all God wants. Wrong. That is not what God is ultimately after. He is looking for everyone in this room to have belief in his word, to have belief in his son. This goes all the way back even to the call of Abraham. That Abraham what? Believed God. And it was credited to him as righteousness. So the faith and trust and belief, this is what God is after in Moses and in Israel and in David and in you and in me. He's calling us to the same things. Belief and then behaving accordingly. That's why he gives two more signs. Say the snake's not enough. He says, I got another one for you. Show me your hand, Moses. Moses lifts up. He would have had a very tanned hand. Wouldn't be like mine. He's not a guy who works at a computer. He's outside in Egypt. He's going to be a very tanned guy. He says, put that hand into your cloak. Take, now take it out. White as snow. He would flip out. It would be it looked diseased, like the pigment was gone, like his hand is dying. I wish we had the description of Moses' face. When he just sees his hand, he says, great, put that hand back in your cloak. Puts it back in, takes it back out. It's normal. From the snake to the hand, what God is saying is, I have power over creation and I have power over disease creation. I have power over broken things. I have the power to heal disease cells in your body and I have the power to stop death. And if they won't believe that, look at verse nine. If they don't even believe these two signs or listen to what you say, God says, I got one more sign. Take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. The water you take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. God is saying in this cup of water from the Nile, I have power to turn a source of life into a source of death and destruction. And I have power to take death and destruction and turn it into life. Listen, the Egyptians loved the Nile. It was viewed as the life source of Egypt. Metaphorically, it was the lifeblood of Egypt. And God is saying, I'm going to turn it into real blood. And it will destroy the economy and life of Egypt. And I will avenge all of the blood that they tossed into that Nile when they threw Hebrew boys in there. I will avenge them. But there's an even deeper thing that God is signaling here. I don't know if you're catching it. The first sign, give them a shepherd's staff that's going to defeat a serpent. Give them the sign of a pair of clothes that will stop death and disease. And give them a sign of unexpected blood spilling on the ground. Will they believe in spilled blood? This is what God's, show them spilled blood. Will they believe? 
And God is asking you the same thing. Do you believe in spilled blood? There are so many doubts and fears and paralyzing worries we have when it comes to believing God. Do you believe the signs? Maybe you want your life to get back in order and you came to church just to get a tune-up and get a weekly course correction, pay some dues, and then God's going to reward you. Listen, God is asking you, God is putting before you, do you believe in spilled blood? These three signs that the Lord gives to Moses all testify to a greater sign and belief that remains today. That Jesus, the eternal son of God, when he put on flesh and he was nailed naked to a cross to pay for our sins, as he had water and blood shoot from his side when a spear went into it, and that blood fell on the ground, is testifying to us a signal, a sign for belief, a sign for hope and forgiveness and, and new life, that blood spilled on Jerusalem soil. And then there's a sign in the echo-enabled grave because there is no body in it. Because Christ rose again from the dead. These are the signs that God offers out to us. Do you believe? And Jesus knows this happens in the Gospels. In the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 12, then some of the scribes and Pharisees said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you. Tell us why we should believe. Just like in the Exodus, we need signs. Jesus answered them, an evil and adulterous, two-timing, backstabbing generation demands a sign. But no sign will be given to it, except, I'll give you one, the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the huge fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. Jesus says, I got a signal for you. And I got a sign for why you should believe. Just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish and then vomited up onto ground, so I, the son of man, will be in the heart of the earth and I will be launched up again to the earth in victory. Believe that sign. Not the blood moons. Not 88 reasons why, God's, why Jesus is going to return in 1988. And not the sign that you heard your favorite song on the radio, so God really must love you today. Believe this sign. This is the victory of the cross, the victory of the grave, the victory of Christ, the victory of a shepherd's staff defeating a snake, the victory of clothes curing death and disease, and the victory of blood spilled on the ground. Do you believe in the sign of spilled blood, not from the Nile, but from the very blood of the eternal Son of God? Do you believe the sign of a good shepherd whose staff, the cross, grabbed the serpent by the tail and defeated Satan? Do you believe the sign of a burial cloak leading to renewal and life of Christ rising from the dead for your sins? As Paul tells us, for Jews, ask for signs. Greeks seek wisdom. Everybody wants something to prove, but we preach Christ crucified. That's our sign. A stumbling block to Jews, foolishness to the Gentiles. Nobody wants this sign. We want something else. God says, this is it. Christ crucified and raised from the dead. And to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. This is what God is signaling to you. Do you believe it? And all you must do is believe and trust Christ. Listen, God wants your belief before your behavior. You trust before you can turn your life around. You have faith before you can follow. But we all want to do the opposite in the Bible Belt. Okay, I'm going to get my act together, and then, then I'm ready to believe. No. 
I'm gonna turn my life around and then I can really trust Christ. No, it can only happen in this order. And I know the other danger in the Bible Belt is that a lot of us, we can say we believe. I do believe. I do believe the sign of the cross. I do believe the sign of the tomb. But if you do, then there are domino effects to behaving accordingly. Listen, you can't say you believe in Jesus and then have no interest in doing what he says. You cannot say, I believe the sign of the cross and then I have no interest in doing what he says. I don't have any interest in turning from sin. I don't have any interest in doing good works. I don't want to love others. I don't want to love God. I barely want to show up on Sunday morning. You cannot say, I believe in the signals of the gospel and then deny everything the gospel empowers you to do. Belief and then behaving accordingly. You can't reverse the order. And also, we cannot pick and choose our beliefs and behaviors. We can't pick and choose what we want to do. Like Moses, this is exactly what Moses is doing. You notice that? Look what God says after these, verse 10. But Moses replied to the Lord, please, Lord, send someone else. He, God tells him, pick up a snake. He does it. Put your hand in your jacket. Diseased. Put it back in. Mm, I don't know. No, put it back in. He puts it in. He obeys. Now go to Egypt. I don't know, Lord. He is picking and choosing what he wants to obey from God. And we cannot do the same. Look what he says in verse 10. He comes up with excuses, just like we do. Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, either in the past or recently, and I love this one, or since we have been speaking. <laughs> Nothing's changed between us, God. What an assault. Nothing's changed since I've been talking to this burning landscape. Because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. I'm, I'm just not cut out for this. I'm not a good speaker. That may be true. You know what God says? I don't care. Verse 11, the Lord said to him, who placed a mouth on humans? Who do you think came up with vocal cords? Who established the ability of sound waves to emanate from your throat and out into other people's ears? Me. Moses, this is not about you. Stop thinking it's so much about you and your gifts, Moses. It's about me. And we're just like Moses, aren't we? Because there are things in your life that God is calling you to do and you can no longer say, like Moses, oh, that's not in my wiring. That's not in my personality to keep you from obeying his word. The scripture says, be kind to one another. This is not in my personality mix. You can't say that. Be patient with one another, the Bible says. That's not how I was brought up. It's not in my wiring. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Read your Bible so you can encourage one another. I'm not much of a reader. These are all excuses we come up with to try to deflect obedience to God and his word. Tell others about the gospel. I'm not articulate. I'm shy. I'm an introvert. Where are you picking and choosing to obey God? Where are you not obeying him? Because you think, I'm obeying him in all these other areas, so he's going to cut me some slack. That makes up for it. I picked up the snake by the tail. I, I did the cloak disease thing. Listen, if you have new life in Christ, if you are trusting Christ for eternal life, we trust him for our day-to-day -day lives too. You can't just, yeah, Christ is gonna handle my past and my future, but my present, that's on me. No, Christ is Lord of all. And so if he's gonna handle our past and our future, we're also saying, Jesus, you handle my present. And I walk by faith with you in the present. 
He's empowering you. He's empowering you, transforming you into his image. And you know what's hilarious? Is Moses is worried about the people of Israel not listening to the signs and not believing the signs, but he's not believing the signs. He's the one not believing the signs. This is the first plank spec issue. I mean, they're not going to believe, Lord. I mean, but I believe you. Oh, go. Uh. He's looking past his own plank of unbelief and looking at the speck of unbelief in Israel because this is the easy thing to do. It is easy for us to overlook our own unbelief and overlook our own misbehaving and look at others and even feel righteous in doing it. I think apologetics is really important. It's a really good thing. But I do think a lot of Christians, a lot of disobedient Christians hang around the apologetics section of the bookstore because they love to debate with unbelievers because they never have to deal with their own disobedience. It's a lot easier to deal with other people's unbelief than to deal with your own disobedience, to deal with your own unbelief. But if you believe the sign of the cross and you believe the sign of the empty tomb, and if you believe the sign of the blood of Christ for you, you must know God supplies whatever he requires. Listen, whatever God demands, God supplies. Look what God says. Now go, verse 12. I will help you speak. I will help you. What I am calling you to, I will supply. I will help you. And look what else God says. I will teach you what to say. Whatever God demands, God supplies. He never asks you to do anything that he isn't prepared to empower you for. God never calls you to do anything that he's not also going to empower you for. Jesus doesn't call you to do anything that he hasn't already won for you in the victory of the cross and in his life and in his tomb. You know why Peter went from being terrified of a little girl on the night of Jesus' betrayal to preaching to thousands? Because he was empowered. Because he walked by faith. And what did Jesus tell Peter at the very beginning? Hey, come with me. I'm going to teach you how to be a fisher of men. And what does the Holy, what does the Holy Spirit do for us, Jesus says? Don't worry what you're going to say in that hour. For the Spirit will teach you what to say. You know why? Because what God offers is what he offers you and me. He offers us discipleship. Discipleship with the Savior. This is what happens in verse 12 right here. Now go, I will help you. And I will teach you. He's entering into a discipleship relationship with God. Now, verse 14. No, I'm sorry, verse 13. Moses said, please, Lord, send someone else. I'm out of excuses. He doesn't have anything else around it. Just straight up, I don't want to go. I can't come up with any more excuses. You keep rebuffing them all. So just send someone else. I'm not your guy. Verse 14. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. You got to think that shrub just just got a little hotter all of a sudden. He lost a little knuckle hair, Moses did at that moment. But look at what God does. Grace flies out. Isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And also he is already on the way to meet you. Providence. I've already sent him on the way. How about that? You're worried that you don't have enough help? Okay. I will help you, verse 15. I will help both you and him to speak. And I will teach you both what to do. So not only is God saying, I'm bringing you into a discipleship relationship with me, but I'm also bringing you into community with your literal brother, into discipleship and community with me. And you will carry out my mission together. Now go, 
and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And I'll be with you always till the end of the age. I will help you and I will teach you. And look at verse 16. He will speak to the people for you. He will serve as a mouth for you and you will serve as God to him. That's a bizarre, bizarre sounding phrase, but here's what God is saying. Just like I am speaking to you authoritatively, so you will speak to Aaron authoritatively. And he will be like the prophet for you, just like you are the prophet for me. I will speak to you. You will speak to Aaron. He will speak to the people and both of you will speak. So now go. I will help both of you because you've entered into discipleship with me. Could he have a better helper? Could he have a better teacher? You know, the other day I went to a Valero gas station. Kids are in the truck with me. I've been all over in there and swiped my card, started pumping gas. And I went back and sat in the truck and talking to him. And I noticed, man, this is taking forever. I can't believe it. What's going on? And I look 1081, I'm on one mile. I need more than 1081. So I hop out and see, try to pump more. Nothing's coming out. I'm like, of course, Valero. So I just, I put it up on the thing and I'm out of here. I'm going to a different gas station. I'll just fill up, I'll fill up the rest somewhere else. Get back in the car, turn. Oh, I'm on zero. This is not good. And my kids are like, oh no, we're going to be stranded forever. Like, we're fine. We're not, we're not going to be homeless. We're okay. I'm just going to make it to Texaco. I'll fill up. I go to Texaco because I noticed I didn't get any. That pump is busted. It said I got 1081. I got zero. I fill up at Texaco. Like, you know, I'm going to go get my 1081 back. I'm going back to that Valero. Give that manager, you got to fix your pump. So I go, I go to Valero and say I need to speak to the manager, get my 1081 back. And you better believe the manager and I learned a valuable lesson that day. That I don't know how to pump gas. (laughs) I didn't swipe my card right. It never charged my card. The 1081 I saw on the screen was the previous car's total, not mine. <laughs> and I'm arguing, and they take the receipt from that pump and show me the last four digits of that card. I show them the last four digits of my card, and I just say, well, I'm never coming back here again. I'll see you later. You know, I've taught a lot of guys how to grill steaks, filet, medium rare, charcoal. A lot of lives have been changed. But I'm not your guy for car stuff. But don't we, don't we project the same view onto God? Oh, God's really good at helping me with some of this stuff. But not this part of my life. God, God can't help me with this. This is on me. I got to figure this out. Beloved, Jesus is your sympathetic high priest. He's, he is never not helpful. There is never a moment where the Lord is sitting on the throne in the heavenly places and sees the situation in your life and goes, man, I don't know what to do. No, his power and his way and his wisdom is here and it's yours. That's why he tells Moses, I'm going to help you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to mold you. I'm going to empower you. So go. Moses' hope is that Yahweh is with him. And Yahweh is discipling him. And the same thing is true for you and me, beloved. Jesus offers us the same thing, discipleship with him, discipleship with him and community with him and with our brothers and sisters in Christ. To be a Christian is to believe the sign of the gospel and to enter into discipleship with Christ and the community of Christ. This is is what it means to be a Christian, to believe the sign of the gospel, of a cross and a tomb, and then to enter into discipleship with Christ in the community of Christ. Are you a disciple? Are you just a church attender? There's a huge difference. 
You know, there are not church attenders in Iran, just disciples. This is one of the great plagues of American Christianity. It's too easy. It's too easy to show up here. You know, there are a lot, you either believe the sign and are a disciple, or you're just in the crowd. The Exodus had a lot of Exodus attenders, but not a lot of disciples. The road is wide that leads to destruction, and many are those who find it. But the road that leads to eternal life is narrow. Are you a disciple? Are you being discipled by Jesus? Are you following him? Do you believe him? Do you love him? Do you worship him? Do you live in the victory, in the exodus, in the victory of the cross? Ask yourself, do I know that God loves me? What's the sign? The gospel. Do I know that I'm forgiven of all of my sins? What's the sign? A bloody cross. Do I know if I have eternal life and I have a future with God? What's the sign? An empty grave is the sign. His cross and his tomb are the sign. What God wants you to look at and believe today. And even, even Texans like us agree it's more powerful than a Whataburger sign that a blind man once saw. Look to Christ. He is our sign. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.